0: it's time to connect with your feminine energy center, your own body, to achieve anything that your heart desires. It's a discussion about a place you may have not discussed so much, the place down there. Now, here is your host, LaRanger Dano.
1: Hi, lovely listeners. Excited having you all here tonight. You're listening to the Womb Happy Hour. I'm your host, Lorraine Giordano. I'd love to hear from you. You can connect with me on Facebook at Inspired2Health. You can follow me on Twitter at Inspire2Health. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn at Lorraine Giordano, G-I-O-R-D-A-N-O. And so today we're exploring relationships. Um, Since it's beginning to look a lot like Valentine's Day, what a great way. Great timing to kind of do a, a deep dive into creating successful relationships. And before I intro my guest, I would like to just take up the past couple of weeks, I've kind of mentioned the sacral chakra. And so as an energy healer, I focus a lot with my clients on the energy, different energy centers. So the sacral chakra, interestingly enough, which is located down there, it's uh, above your root and in below your your solar plexus chakra. So physically, if you look down and you kind of look at your lower abdomen to your navel, that's where this energy center resides. And it relates to your sexual organs, your intestines, your pelvis, your bladder. Um, But interestingly enough, it's linked to emotions and your sense of passion, joy, creativity, and one-on-one relationships with others and especially yourself. So, I'm excited that we have Emma Viglucci, that's V-I-G-L-U-C-C-I, from Metropolitan Marriage and Family Therapy with us tonight. And if you'd like to connect with Emma, you can find her on Facebook at Emma, V-I-G-L-U-C-C-I, that's two M's and an A, Emma. Emma. You can follow her on Twitter at Emma K. Viglucci, and you can follow her on Pinterest at Emma K. Viglucci slash love dash relationship dash couples, and you can follow her on YouTube at Successful Couples. And what I love about Emma is that wherever you're listening in the world, she shares such valuable information um, online. So. I highly recommend that you check out her website at metrorelationship.com and check out some of her other sources. So, hi Emma, how are you today?
2: Hi Lorraine, I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you so much for inviting me, and I am so happy to be sharing some wonderful tips for Valentine's Day uh, for your guests.
1: Yes, so excited to have you here and Thank share all your valuable tips. And yes, it's a great time—Valentine's Day. I mean, every day really should be Valentine's Day, but um, it's a good reminder to check in and see how we're we're handling our relationships. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. So, how you know what what do you think makes a strong relationship? Starting off, like, what should our listeners do when considering creating a stronger relationship? I love your tagline, st- stop the fighting, stop the drama.
2: Um, yeah. It, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, go ahead.
2: So the, the tagline is, came about because a lot of the people who call us, the partners that call us, they're having a hard time getting along and feeling connected and getting on the same page, and they have a lot of drama and fighting going on. So that's how I came up with that uh, for this segment, and I used it for some programs as well. And one of the main things that I like to teach our partners, um, the people that are in relationships that come to see us, is that th- the main reason usually what couples fight is because the partners blame each other for what's happening. And they, they don't own themselves and they're not accountable for what they're contributing to the specific exchange that they're having a hard time with or with um, whatever, however the interaction is going wrong for them. And so that's one of the main things that I like to teach couples is to stop blaming and owning what they're contributing to whatever's not working, either how they're looking at things or how they're saying things, how they're making requests, what they're voicing or not voicing. So owning themselves and how they communicate and what they contribute, it's a huge piece of building a strong relationship. Yes. And, and you've been
1: working with, uh, with folks uh, improving their relationships for over 20 years, right?
2: Yes. I started a private practice in 2000 and I was working in other settings before that. So it's been a little while. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and just curious, have you noticed um, as far as the, the fighting and the drama, have you noticed that it, it's, Pretty much the same over the years? Like, you know, people have the common themes of fighting and drama, or has it changed a
2: lot? You know, that's a very interesting question. When I started working with couples, there's no such thing as the internet and social media and everybody being so connected and online dating and this kind of stuff. And uh, so some of the themes that show up now are more modern um, that involve those items. And with Things like cheating and people meeting online partners and having online relationships and making cheating easier in that regard or having emotional affairs um, or just not showing very good boundaries with how they're friendly with people and how they air their business online and in other mediums. Um, so that's, that's what I've experienced as a little bit different than, than when I first started working with couples.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because that plays such a big role in everyone's day-to-day life now.
2: Yeah, we live on our
1: gadgets. (laughs) (laughs) So going back to the blaming game, do you find that, you know, when people show up, they have a huge list about issues that their partners have and a very short list of their own issues in the relationship?
2: You know, the way that they do it is not so much about specific topics and a litany of complaints, even though that comes out as we continue to work together. They... They have things that bother them and things that keep recurring. But what happens at first when they they realize that they need help and when they first start working with us is that they notice that um, they they're just not happy. They're not getting along, and the blame happens in that they blame the other person for they're not getting along, for so they're not communicating or not showing up properly or they're nagging. Just kind of how they are operating. Um, in how they're carrying themselves, that's pretty much the blaming part. That the status quo is not changing because the other partners not changing or doing things better. And then the complain then, then, then the specifics and the list of things shows up later when in the in the specific work as we're talking about things.
1: <laughs> All right. So what's your philosophy then on relationships based on your, your experience?
2: Yeah, so I over the years, just because of my own mindset about things and my own experiences, and, and also just in working with so many people, um, I developed a philosophy in in, in a worldview for relationships that has to do with thinking about the relationship as the playground. So that's where you get to practice your skills. You get to be annoyed by things. You get to know what you like. You get to know what you don't like. You get to grow up. Um, in, in, in looking at the relationship in that way, you get to learn about yourself and your partner and how to work together better or how to play together better. So that's one part of this philosophy. The other part of this philosophy is thinking of our partner as a gift because a lot of people like i was saying and they blame each other as opposed to looking at our partner in the things that bother us as an opportunity for learning more for growing and for getting better skills and for doing things better with each other as an opportunity to nurture the other and as an opportunity to show up better to own different parts of ourselves and um, to to resolve any things that we, things that we haven't resolved yet Um, to get change patterns that we haven't changed yet. So with our partner, we create those things, and so they are a gift. They are an opportunity for us to be able to have that in front of us and and address it. And um, if people don't do that intentionally, they don't address it properly, and hence people get frustrated with each other, and they get stuck, and then they come to see us. But if they go about it intentionally and with support, Um, They get to change those patterns and they get to learn from those things and they do get to see their partner as a gift and as an opportunity as opposed to a person who's annoying them when when that's happening for couples. Um, So those are the two biggest elements in the philosophy. Um, Then there's a bunch of other ways that I look at couples that I use in our work, in sessions and in my writing and in the material that I create um, that has to do with just looking at Relationships in a way that not as as they okay if it's not working you get out um, as in, or um, I have to find the right person. I think that any relationship could work if we really invest in it. And I know that that's a lot of contradictory or contra- not contradictory, controversial. Um, with a with the divorce rate being so high nowadays, a lot of people think that. Divorce is, is the best solution for the family. And um, even though I do support people who want to separate and divorce, I am a strong proponent for relationships. And I believe that given the right circumstances, that people can really create a relationship that works for them and use the relationship as the growing themselves in the partnership um, a, a tool or vehicle. And so that's like one of the biggest um, parts of their philosophy.
1: Yeah. and I, I mean, at the end of the day, a relationship is a choice, right? We choose our partners. Um, right. And so, like, from an energetic perspective, like, what is this person reflecting or doing mm-hmm. um, for you
2: to kind of grow more rather than shut down? Yes. Yes. And I look at it also as, um, you know, the, again, with the whole blaming thing. If I think, okay, I'm not feeling so good and things are not working right now and my energy is slow and I'm feeling blue or crappy or, you know, whatever, and I blame my partner, there is negative energy there and in the, in the, in the, there is a continuation of that negative energy of that not feeling so good and that stuckness. But in, instead, if I look at my partner, say, okay, whatever my partner is doing It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to affect my own energy. I could still work within that exchange and work keep my energy up and keep my feelings feeling good and do what I have to do to make a change in the in the interaction or in what's happening. And as long as I own myself, the energy still positive, stays vibrating high and stays feeling good. And that actually resonates for the other person and invites the partner and other people around us to also elevate.
3: I completely agree.
2: To, right. As opposed to getting sucked into, Oh, you, you've been bad in my opinion. And therefore I'm going to go down that tube with you. And we're both going to be negative. We don't I'm have to right, incubate.
1: You're wrong. Yeah. I'm right. Exactly. You're wrong. It creates resistance, polarity right. and exactly. friction. And I mean, what a great, creative metaphor to think of it as a playground, right? Mm-hmm. Your philosophy is a playground. I mean, for all those people in relationships, when when's the last time that you thought about, you know, working on your relationship as though you're in a playground? Because it's supposed yep. to be fun, right? And it's right. supposed to be creative and freeing rather than limiting and and, and, and tough. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Have you found that people are resistant to kind of thinking about, uh, you know, thinking about it as a playground where it has to be a certain way or are they kind of receptive to that concept?
2: You know, most people, they're at such a width and kind of place when they come to work with us that anything that reframes their situation as positive they latch onto. So I find that people have been extremely receptive to the philosophy and to the reframe and to the mindset. Because it's liberating, it gives them hope, it, gives, it allows them to see things as an opportunity as opposed to a struggle and it's not going to work and like this wasn't meant to be or this is the wrong person. All of those things are not true, according to my philosophy and to the way I look at things. And so if we remove all of that, there's always a chance to make it work and I'm going to help you make it work. And that's very, very freeing for them and very hopeful. And therefore, you know, then they're, they're happy with that. You know, they, 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 they don't create too much resistance. Because they're hungry and open for change. Yep, and they're ready and they're looking for it and uh, they're open. I mean, there's some people who struggle with being positive and therefore, you know, they fight it a little bit. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to say there's no resistance, but usually people are pretty, you know, they like the hopeful side of things.
1: So now I think it's great that you've created a successful couple strategy. I mean, you've Mm -hmm. really kind of honed in on, on certain elements that make up a successful relationship. Um, so can you can you describe a bit about your your strategy?
2: Yes. So over the years, I found myself following the same path um, or general framework in the work with couples. Of course, every couples special. Of course, every couple has their own things in and out that makes them unique. Um, but in general, there's a pattern to the work that they need to do for their relationship to work and for them to feel better and for things to move.
3: And okay.
2: as I saw that, you know, it became more and more clear to me what the main elements were. And within the elements, there's a bunch of things in them, right? But the main elements, I'm just going to list them out, um, is they are context, and I'm going to explain them, you know, when we get a chance, communication, clarity, connection, and collaboration. And so for context, um, that, that's the whole metaphor of the playground, the philosophy, all the different concepts within the philosophy that allows people to shift how they're looking at their relationship and to look at things as an opportunity as opposed to a struggle. And so we do a lot of work there, cleaning up old meaning systems and limited beliefs and negativity and the way that they look at things. And um, so that's the work within that element. Okay. And um, the second one in a nutshell is all things communication and getting on the same page. The third one has to do with dynamics and how they keep things repeating and repeating and without getting resolution and getting stuck. And we break that dynamic, we transform it, and we get the needs met for each partner. And the the second to last is connection. We build structures and routines and skills and all beautiful things so that the partners can more easily connect, stay connected, increase their intimacy and their fun and their passion. And the last one is about working together, creating a strong partnership it, it was smooth running household, it joins life, parenting well, creating a legacy um, and things, inspiring other couples and things of that nature. So those are, in actual, those are the elements.
1: Those sound amazing. And it looks yeah. like we're going to come up on a break, but when we come back, let's do a deep dive into each of those elements. Okay, cool. So we we'll see you in two minutes, everyone.
0: You are listening to The Womb Happy Hour. To reach Lorraine Giordano, her guest, or if you have a comment on the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net. Now back to The Womb Happy Hour.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We are here on The Womb Happy Hour with Lorraine Giordano. Chatting with Emma Vigucci from uh, Metropolitan Marriage, Family, and Therapy. And in honor of Valentine's Day, all things lovey-dovey, uh, we are talking about relationships and how to create a successful relationship. And Emma's been kind enough to share her successful couple strategy, uh, which is she was just sharing five different elements, and now we're going to do a little bit more of a deep dive in those elements. Emma? hi again hello hi hi yeah so the first element context um what do you exactly mean by that i mean you described it but like if you could give some examples or how you see that shows up in people's relationships
2: yes so context is the way that the partners look at the relationship at themselves within the relationship and how they are impacted by their relationship, what they're allowed to how they' are allowed to be in the world as a result of the relationship, and just their, their world view in general, and how they look at life, mindset, and things like that. And so what happens is that pe- people come in with sometimes very dirty mindsets. I like to use the word dirty and clean for these things just to keep it um, very basic with basic terms. The partner's dirty thinking looks something like, um, if you did X, Y, and C, then I'll be happy. If you made love this way, then I'll have the best sex ever. If you did this, um, if you made more money, then we'll have a much better life. If you, if you, if you, if you. And some of those things sound logical people listening might be like, yeah, <laughs> that's true, <laughs> right? If you do this or that, I could have an orgasm. If you make more money, we could have a bigger house, blah, 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 right? But why is it up to the partner to provide these things? Why is it up to the other person to make you happy? And so that's where the shift needs to happen. We do a lot of work around owning. In the in the face of the worst things, we could still be happy. And that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow for most people. That's That's a huge mind shift that sometimes people have a hard time going jumping over hurdle jumping over like you were saying earlier you know what's the resistance like that's what the resistance is
1: um, but that's a powerful pill to swallow and digest though
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean so what they do eventually right but this, it's hard at first and so so that's the work that's the work that we do in the first element so just kind of cleaning up the thinking Cleaning up everything that's negative um, or things that are negative. I don't know that we ever clean up everything. Um, But just operating it in a more clean place. The the thinking that we're allowed to run through our mind, the way that we look at things, the way that we place blame our own or are accountable. So all all that stuff gets cleaned up. And then the context is much more fertile, much more pretty, much more fun. It's a much better playground for us to continue to play together.
1: Makes sense, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. And then communication, I think this is, a. I mean, with my clients, I often, who are married, the communication is a big, um, is a big interesting challenge or opportunity. um, Because I find that, you know, men and women, they're biting their tongues a lot, which is not necessarily good for the throat chakra and not necessarily expressing mm -hmm. what they're, what they need or desire or they're how they're feeling.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, that's, that's, that's a, such a good point because people don't want to fight because they think that fighting is not good and it's not okay and when because they don't have good skills when they f- disagree, they have bad fights and when they have bad fights then everything gets threatened and it's scary. People don't feel so good. So they try to avoid it like a plague and then nobody says anything, nobody addresses anything and then nothing gets resolved, right? So this the work that we do in this element, we help the partners speak about themselves and for themselves and speak in a way that's respectful to the other. So again, without the blaming, without the criticizing, without the pointing fingers, without the shaming, without the ripping the other person apart, and they learn to speak about how they are impacted, what's happening for them, how they're experiencing things, um, how they are feeling, what they need. So they speak about them. It's not selfish. It's owning. And when they do that, the other partner could stay open and receptive to hearing and listening the needs and experience of their partner as opposed to becoming defensive and shut down because you're the one speeding them up. Right, So if yeah. I say, you suck when you do this and you're doing all these things and you're such a better person and blah, 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 and that's the message that's coming out of my mouth as I'm sharing about what's happening for me, the other person is like, who wants to hear that, right? So then they don't listen, they shut down, and they, they just yes the other person to death, or they become extremely reactive and blaming right back, and then that's where the fight happens, right? They're just blaming each other back and forth, back and forth. But if I explain and speak from a place of what's happening for me, my partner could stay open and available and receptive and then they could hear me and respond to what I'm saying as opposed to reacting with their stuff to what I'm saying.
1: Right, which kinda kinda leads in naturally, right, to your third element of clarity. Because it seems to me that even from my own relationships that sometimes I think I'm being very clear but, maybe I'm not actually, at the end of the day. And so the the other person's not necessarily a mind reader. Or if you keep saying the same thing over and over the same way, there's a bit of a shutdown there. But it's kind of creating a safe space for for that clarity to understand where the other person's coming from, because we get kind of fixated on our own point of view. Would you right. agree?
2: Yes. So, there's a couple of things in there from what you said, Lorraine. So, the first one is um, that when we are repeating and repeating and repeating, it's because we don't feel heard. And so, we try a bunch of different angles. We try saying the same thing in gazillion different ways so that the partner could get it. But again, potentially, we're saying it in a way that's feeding the other person up. And that's why they're not listening to us or showing us that they're hearing us because they just can't. They're protecting themselves. That's what the repetition comes in and the other person shutting down comes in. So if we clean up how we communicate, then that defensiveness is not there and then people could be there for each other and then the need to repeat goes away and the need to shut down goes away. The clarity piece for element three is actually about a deepened understanding of what is driving our dynamics.
1: People uh. get...
2: Right. Um, couples, the partners get to learn about what is driving the interaction, what is driving what annoys them, what is driving the triggers, what triggers them, where it comes from. And we actually do deeper work where they get to experience, um, when something is happening, they get to understand where it came from, they experience it from that place with a higher level of understanding that clarity is there. Didn't they communicate very differently to the partner about what's happening, And then the partner could respond to it with more compassion, with more understanding. And they get on the same page about, oh, so this is what's happening. It's not about the toilet bowl. It's not about this. It's not about that. It's more about these deeper things that are getting triggered right now. And then when they communicate from that place, they could work more closely on getting each other's needs met because it's not about controlling or changing the other or anything like that. It's about each person trying to meet their own needs and resolving things within themselves and they could help each other.
1: And do you find that based on this, um, this evolution, this awareness, like it's so obvious that the people feel more compassion towards their partner, which is very yes. heart energy, you know, that's very heart chakra centered <laughs> compassion. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, yes, I love that you're connecting everything back to the chakras, it's terrific, right? I mean, that's that's the work that you do and I love integrating it with, with uh, the language that I'm using. Um, that makes so much sense. The compassion is so hard to, to do when we're in a defensive place, when we're feeling attacked and we're feeling, when we're feeling potentially victimized or criticized or whatever people feel. And so we can't be compassionate for the partner if they're blowing fire on us. Um, so we're going to put the shield up, right? We're going to protect ourselves. Sure. But if the partner instead is crying instead of blowing fire, then we don't need a shield. And then we can stay available. And then that where the, that's where the compassion could come. If they could make the connection to what, what's driving things as opposed to beating up on their partner and speaking from their experience and their needs, then the compassion can come. And the sympathy and, and the connection and the empathy, not sympathy, empathy. And that makes it fertile for big shifts to happen in the
1: relationship, Right.
2: It's huge, because usually people are fighting each other, but when when this um, higher level of clarity comes up, and they get what is happening underneath, they realize that they're working against deeper programming, and historical things, and patterns, and bad habits, and lack of skills, and some other things. And so, to, yeah, they team up to work against this history, and this thing, this pattern, and whatever is creating this thing are supposed to against each other. They're not, no longer the enemy, now they're allies.
1: Which is a win-win situation.
2: Oh, yeah. So they both work on getting each other's needs met and supporting each other and hearing the other and setting up things in their home and in their life so that it works for both of them as opposed to trying to see who's going to win and who's going get, to get what, you know? Yes, and then...
1: So as far as the connection
2: then and the
1: collaboration.
2: Right. So the next element is the connection. So then from that place, when they, they shift their mind, they have all these communication tools and skills, and they understand what is happening consciously, unconsciously, subconsciously, all the different levels, <laughs> you not know what's happening and what's going on. Um, now they're really ready to really feel each other and connect with each other and have fun with each other and enjoy each other. Because they're not triggering each other, they're not getting on each other's nerves, they're not looking at things funky and dirty, they're, they understand where things are coming from if something that, that hurts comes up. And so all the things that usually get in the way of intimacy are being addressed. So it's much easier to, for them to feel connected, to feel intimate, to work on building on that to repair if they get disconnected or if they hit a bump because you know there's no such thing as a perfect relationship. So things will come. Disagreements will come. People are never going to see 100% eye to eye. People are going to have different opinions. And when they have different opinions, they figure out how to deal with that better. And because they know that they have that inherently, they, there's no threat to the intimacy and they, could, they trust each other and they could build from there. Then the passion comes back and the fun comes in and the joyfulness comes back.
1: And the sex comes back,
2: too. The passion and the sex, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we, so we do a lot of work when it comes to this connection piece. Um, th- we really need the fertile ground from all the other elements to be in place. And, and we don't necessarily do them in order, one, two, three, four, five. It's not such a linear process. We kind of juggle them and we focus on them more or less depending on what's needed because, like I said, each couple is different. Um, but we do need to have some of the basic work done for this element to be put in place for the connection and the sex and the passion and all that stuff to happen. And one of the things that we work from in this element is understanding each other's love language. So how to give love to each other in a way that's meaningful to the other person. A lot of times we give love the way that we like to receive love, but then the, it, the other person doesn't like to receive love that way, it doesn't even register for them that you give them love. And so you're working so hard to give them love, and you're like, I'm doing all these things for you, but for the other person, you're not doing anything because nothing's coming to them in their language. And that's, as soon as couples get that, it's like <laughs> it's like so funny. It's like a complete shift because once we don't have to work so hard at giving love, you know, we could just like, give love very targeted in the way that the other person gets it, and it's so much easier, and the other person feels awesome. Without having to put so much in, you know. So that works really well. And something that I recommend for people to do with this, if they are interested, is to visit the website, the Five Love Languages, and um, um, do there's have a quiz on there, so they could find out what their love language is, and uh, have their partner do it for fun, and uh, and they can start playing around with their own love languages and make life easier for themselves.
1: And do you notice any? Um Any common themes with the love languages overall? I mean, that's kind of a random yeah. question.
2: Well, no, but you know what? It's a great question. Uh, the theme that I noticed, and, and it's not 100%. There's a, it's, there's a little bit of a theme, um, and I potentially has to do with the people that come to the office, right? Because, I'm, you know, I'm a therapist, and I work with couples who are struggling. So I don't know that this is the universal rule, but it's definitely it's applicable to the people that I, that I work with or people who are struggling. I find that the men usually have more of a validation language. They need to feel validated, appreciated, acknowledged, given credit, and all that kind of stuff.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
2: and women usually tend to be very critical and demanding and, and all these different things um, when they're in, in a partnership that's struggling. And so they're not given those things that the, the man needs um, because that's their love language. So they're given actually the opposite. So they're taking love away and um and the women usually need the, the language is acts of service which is um having things done or getting support like getting the car service taking the garbage out helping with the kids or you know whatever and um and i and i'm sorry if this is coming across as sexist but unfortunately the, the, these are still themes that that are prevalent in our society so those things uh women show up with those complaints and feeling unsupported and they don't have enough help and they still do a lot of the domestic. And so the love language for them is acts of service. And they're being critical of their partner when they're not getting acts of service or support. And when they're being critical, they're not giving their partner the love language that they need of com- of com- um, compliments and acknowledgement and appreciation. And then the men shut down because they're being criticized and put down and they don't feel good. So they don't do any acts of service and the cycle continues, right? (laughs) So the trick here is for each person to kind of not look at what their other partner is doing, but rather see what they're doing and stand as still as possible, plant the flag on the ground and say, okay, I'm going to give love regardless of what my partner's doing. I'm going to keep my side of the street clean. Like they say, I am going to watch what I contribute. I'm going to own myself. I'm going to keep my energy clean. I'm going to do my side of the work. Right. I'm going to stand my ground as best as I can with all of that. Yeah. Of fall off here and there because nobody's perfect. Right. But if we try to work on our side as much as possible and as consistent as possible, our partner comes around. I have ver- rarely seen it if one partner does this type of work that the other partner doesn't come around. And so the other partner then comes around. Right. But if, if the partner says, well, I'm not going to do this until you do this. And they're both saying that then that's where the stuckness comes in. Um, But so it's very good to be mindful of what each one is contributing and to watch how you are contributing and focus on your own contribution, and then your partner will show up at some point.
1: I mean, I think that's really positive uh, to hear that, you know, if someone's making these changes, then the other partner tends to kind of make the changes as well.
2: Absolutely. And something that's really interesting in the work that I do is like sometimes partners don't want to come for couples therapy or for working on their relationship. And some partners come in by themselves and they still change the relationship around, turn the relationship around because they're working on their side. And as you work on your side, the other one has to change by default. Right? So, if you're being nice, the person can't be a jerk. <laughs> you know, usually, you know, I mean, sometimes they still can't. but for the most part, usually people can't. They're responding kind. and in that responding responding kind, they are changing. So one partner can change the relationship.
1: I completely agree. And I, I think this comes a lot up a lot with my clients as well. Um, because as far as having a choice, the more you focus on yourself and what you can shift and change, it, Tends to shift your out your outer world as well, and the people that are there, especially your partner.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And so, in, in even though I have all these elements, all this stuff, usually the theme underneath all these things is boundaries, because everything that I'm pretty much saying the all, all the ownership side of all of this is all boundary work, and that's Which is why so have, important. It's huge. It's like one of the main the main components of each element. Um, so I actually have a gift to offer to your. Uh, listeners to do boundary, their own boundary work if they resonate with this message in, in this work
1: so if we could talk about that when we get back from a break Yeah. Um, and Louie says hello to everybody, Louie typically says ho- hello at some point <laughs> during <good>. the show <laughs> but yes we'll see you on the yeah. uh, other side in two minutes everyone
0: Are listening to The Womb Happy Hour. To reach Lorraine Giordano, her guest, or if you have a comment on the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net. Now back to The Womb Happy Hour.
1: Hi, lovely listeners. We're back from break, and... This is Lorraine Giordano and we're talking with Emma Veglucci from Metropolitan Marriage and Family Therapy and we're talking about relationships, we're in the nitty gritty. We've gone through some really insightful feedback from Emma on her, um, her strategy um, to create a successful relationship. And we were just talking about boundaries, which are huge, um, so important in any relationship, whether it be work, um, your love life, or, or anything. Um, so, Emma, what's your uh, you you started getting into it? But what were you saying about boundaries? How does it how does that play a role in all of this that you've just shared with us?
2: Yeah, So, I find that boundaries is one of the most common threads. Um, in the work between partners, and I'm calling it work, but we could call it play, we could call it investment, we could call it nurturing, we could call it enrichment, we could call it whatever you want, um, so it, within the relationship between two people in an intimate relationship such as um, a romantic couple, when the boundaries are lacking, it creates so much more extra work, the partners feel like they're crazy, they're drama there's reactivity there is messes and chaos and things not working and everybody's in everybody's business and a lot of fighting and 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 just like the relationships are just really 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 messy and it's very interesting when I sit on my chair in the therapy room with with the couples or when I'm you know even in virtual sessions when I'm on my chair (laughs) looking at the screen um But to watch couples when they first start the work and they have a significant boundary um, issue in the relationship, there are all kinds of projections going on. Like whatever one feels, they attribute to the other person. Whatever one is doing, they say the other one is doing. And it gets really, really messy to follow the conversation. People can't follow each other's thoughts. They can their fingers cutting each other off the communication is really, really reactive and blaming and, and painful. And um, when people are operating from that way, they're just creating so much more work and they're making so much dissatisfaction for each other. And when we start putting in some boundary concepts in place and some boundary building skills in place, it's almost an immediate shift. So I have a few... Um, techniques around learning boundary work and in, in applying boundary work that are really, really, really easy and I actually have them in my gift that I want to offer to, to the listeners and um, uh, the couples go back. Uh, first of all, the session in the moment just completely shifts and then they go back home and wherever they go and they do their thing and they come back the next time and they're like, wow. And uh, the shift that happens once people start owning themselves and they're putting more clean and not doing all this funny business of putting each other's stuff on the other and being on the other person's business and all this kind of stuff, it's tremendous. It, that's the only thing that people do in the relationship, is practically a different relationship. And wow. um, it, it's just incredible. And that's why when I came onto this concept in earlier in my work, I was like, wow, this is like the key to a lot of this. And um And so I started creating more and more techniques and ways of delivering this message and teaching it and applying it and instructing it and, you know, everything else so that people could really embrace it and apply it. And it makes a huge difference. And that's why a lot of the gifts I usually give when I do talks like this or when I present and stuff have to do with boundaries. Because if people, this is the only thing that people do, they make a huge change in their lives. And um, so I do have that for for the listeners and just... um, I just really commend people to do their own boundary work. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how else to to encourage that. Um, it's it just so massive when I see people make that shit. It's just so. It's fun and it's beautiful, and, and the language around it is really funny and cute, and um, it, it's part of it's like using, um, look, envisioning each partner as a circle and being in each other's circle or being in your own circle and like this kind of stuff. And so the couples have the the circle language in common, and so they it makes it very easy for them to apply boundary setting techniques with each other in a playful way, and it makes the whole work so much more fun, and um, and the shift happens more quickly, so it's cool. I mean, how powerful is uh,
1: that to kind of identify your boundaries in order to reduce trauma and the disf- dissatisfaction, right, and the pain that goes on?
2: So oh, how could our... How can our listeners access your uh, giveaway? Okay, so it's long, so I'm going to say it slowly. It's MetroRelationshipPrograms.com MetroRelationshipPrograms.com forward slash setting-effective-boundaries. And if you need me to repeat it, I can't, and I, I don't know if it's posted on the page that we have for me at all. Um, potentially we could do that as well. So it's metrorelationshipprograms.com forward slash setting dash effective dash boundaries. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for offering that. Yeah, absolutely. And in that gift, there is definitions of boundaries, description of boundaries, the purpose of boundaries, how boundaries work, what happens if you don't have boundaries, where lack of boundaries come from, what kind of background potentially you had that created this lack of boundaries in yourself, and boundary concepts and how to apply them. So it's really, it has a lot of good stuff in there.
1: Awesome. Yeah, So now, while we were on break, we were having our own little side conversation, but I think it's worth mentioning, Emma, um, as far as, you know, the people that might, that are out there that might not be as happy in their relationship and are feeling a lot of pain, Mm -hmm. but are not um, feeling comfortable with making, you know, some change. Can you share a little bit about your theory on that? Yeah.
2: So I... It's very common for me to hear in my regular life um, just people struggling in their relationship and and not necessarily directly sharing with me, but, of course, I observe couples all the time, right? A lot of people are coupled. And there is so much pain in people's relationships just because they don't understand how to look at relationships differently and how to work within the relationship in a way that serves them. Um, And they're afraid to make changes and to address it because they think that it's going to be painful to go there, to express what's not satisfying or what's not working, just kind of like we were saying at the beginning. And the thing is that, yeah, it might be a little painful when something gets brought up. and, And especially if you don't have skills, it might stink a little bit because you're going at it. A little wobbly and a little rough around the edges, and so my, you might create a little extra unnecessary pain. But that's just momentarily. What happens after things get addressed and things get 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 changed from doing some of this work? It's just tremendous. The pain is is only in that moment, and and it's not fun to be in it. But when you step back and you look at what people. Accomplish, or when they they themselves look back at what they accomplished, they are so proud of themselves and they're so happy and it's actually fun. You know, working on yourself and then your relationship and creating something masterful with your own hands, if you may, you know, yeah. just putting all this investment and nurturing and all this yumminess in there. And you create something so pretty. My couples are just so ecstatic, so impressed with themselves and so happy that they had the, the transformations that they had. Would they say that it was easy? Probably not. But they would say, would they say there was fun? Most likely, right? In the moment, it's not fun, but potentially just looking at what they accomplish, or right after the moment, then they recognize the fun in it because of what they're able to create and how much they're able to use themselves and for something good, right, and get so much good out of it. So it's a really cool experience, in my opinion. <laughs> of course, I'm biased. This is what I do for a living. Um, but I wouldn't do it if I didn't think it was good, you know?
1: But I think it's worth mentioning, and even though it's kind of obvious people know it, but there are people out there to help and support um, in kind of easing that pain and kind of creating more fun and, you know, positive, happy relationships. Um, Yeah,
2: so, I mean, I don't want to come across as, you know, it's so painful as, you know, that, oh my gosh, people would turn away from doing it, even if it's fun at the end. Um, e- there is ways to manage whatever comes up, right? So, even if it is painful, it's okay, you know? It's like, you know, when you give birth, it's painful, but you, do you skip it? No, you still give birth, right? And you kind of forget afterwards, and, and you're willing to do the pain to have the baby, so it's kind of like the same concept. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's painful, and it's and it's Sometimes annoying to do to not, to feel stuck and, and to have to invest in an in intentional way to to get to the other side. Um, but that investment is so worth it. And the pain doesn't even compare to to the awesomeness that comes out of it through the journey and and towards the end of it, or I don't think that we ever finish, but you know, once the transformation happens and then maintaining the transformation. Yes. Yeah. So before we wrap, um, for all the single folks out there, um, do
1: you have any words of advice for those looking who are not necessarily they're on the
2: prowl, they're looking for? A yes, team love. of course, of course. So yes, actually, a couple of things. Um, so people who are single to know that there's no such thing as the right person or their soulmate, in my opinion. That as long as they feel good with the person, they could create something that works for them. Um, of course, they're within parameters, right? There's some people who are just totally not a good match, period. I mean, you could just kind of tell and feel it. But if it feels good, not to get hung up on the resume and not to get hung up on, on the superficial of things, um, to go with the gut and then to work together to create something am- amazing, and, um, and to do a lot of their own work because the more that they clean up all their stuff and the better their energy is, the more likely they are to attract somebody who has also done their own cleaning and, and improving and making the more, the energy cleaner, higher frequency, whatever you want to call it. More in sync. More in sync. Yeah. So, so, so that could happen for them easier and better and they would have an easier time creating a great relationship together. When people go to go attract so when low frequency people attract each other or when they haven't done their own work and they're operating dirty, they can create a dirty relationship and it's gonna require more work. So that's my tip for them to work on on evolving themselves and enjoying their own selves and loving their own selves as much as possible because that's gonna create fertile ground for attracting something amazing.
1: All right. Well I'm out. We're gonna wrap up, but thank you so much.
2: For doing boom cool. happy hour. It was
1: so fun. Yeah. Shared such amazing information.
0: Thank you so and,
1: much. Um, for me. Yes. And just to repeat Emma's offer, you can go to Metro Relationship slash settings effective, well, settings dash effective dash boundaries.
2: Yeah, let me say, is that okay? <laughs>
1: well, you know what? <laughs> we're going to have to wrap up. <laughs> but, um, You can reach Emma at emma at metrorelationship.com. Perfect. You can find her on Facebook at Emma Viglucci. Follow her on Twitter at Emma K. Viglucci. Um, Look for her on YouTube at Successful Couples. And just a shout out for um, next week, we'll be talking to Dr. Laura Brayton from Hoboken Chiropractic and Wellness. We'll be chatting about the benefits of chiropractic care for women's health including, you know, a balanced endocrine system and lots more. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the show. Remember, ladies, connect each day to your womb and teen uterus. And don't forget to like me on Facebook at inspired to health or follow me on Twitter at Inspired2Health. I'm your host, Lorraine Giordano. You're listening to the Womb Happy Hour. Have a great week.
0: Thank you for joining us for the womb happy hour. Be sure to tune in again for another edition featuring your host, Lorraine Giordano, next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America health and wellness channel. Have an excellent week.